You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, friends. It's your disabled... Well, let's try that out again. Hey there, friends. It's your favorite disabled person on the internet. Hello, it's Andrew Gersley here, very quickly popping in to say that on top of this amazing podcast that you listen to every other week, I want to let you know of a new little side hustle that I've created for myself, and I wanted to invite you to partake in if you so choose. One of the things that I do for my family every year on their birthdays is I sing them a Marilyn Monroe-type happy birthday song. kind of goes like this. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Okay, you get the idea. So it's like that. And I, I decided to do it for sale. And I wanted to send you all a sexy, breathy, Marilyn Monroe-esque birthday message. Or any kind of message that you want. Whether it be inspirational, whether it be motivational, whether it be a funny message for me. So I would love to invite you, if you wanted to get a unique, fun gift for yourself or for someone else, you can pop over to paypal.com, sorry, paypal.me, paypal.me slash Andrew Gerza and give me 10 bucks and I'll send you a hilarious message, gift for your friends, for yourself, for whoever you like. And if you want me to do it in a breathy Marilyn Monroe voice, I will do that for you. But I just thought I would throw this out on the podcast and offer that to you. So send me an email at andrewandandrewgerza.com and let me know if you want it, what kind of message you want. And I will make that for you right here in my home studio from your favorite disabled person, me, Andrew Gerza. Thanks, friends. Get yours today. Bye. Friends, I am so excited to be working with my friends at Clona Willy. They are an amazing, amazing company. They are do-it-yourself or dildo-it-yourself molding kit company where you can create your own mold of a penis or mold of a vulva so you can create your own sex toy at home. That's really, really cool, and I think it's really, really accessible for a lot of folks, too. Their materials are ethically sourced. They're really, really, really awesome. They're always there to help. I'm so excited about this company. and I love that I still get to work with them. So if you want to create your own pussy or penis mold at home so you can create your own sex toy, if you go if you go to clonawilly.com and use the code DARKPOD20 at checkout, you can get 20% off everything site-wide. They also have a penis pump for those of you that might be interested, which you can get at 20% off if you use the code DARKPOD20 right now at checkout. I really, really love this company, and I really, really love everything they're trying to do. So if you want to create your own do-it-yourself 
molding kit to create your own pussy or penis mold, please go to clonawilly.com and use code DARKPOD20 at checkout. Thanks, friends. Bye. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your delectably delicious disabled host, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the episode started, shall we? What have I been up to this week, my friends? Well... I had my first instance where my tummy hurt again, and I haven't had that in a long time. So that was a fun experience of me trying to figure out what the fuck I ate to hurt myself. Uh, I was going really good for a while there, and then all of a sudden I had an attack the other day, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't sign up for this. I was not prepared for the resurgence of the tummy pain, and then I realized that this is what being chronically ill is. You have Months where you're great, and days where you're great, and then days where you're not great. And it was like, oh, fuck, well, here we are again. Um, it's settled now for the most part, but I have to be really careful what I eat. And I think probably what happened was I went overboard a little bit, and I was like, I can eat whatever I want. So I, I splurged and had all the bad things that I like, like burgers and fries and and chicken wings and all the things that I'm not supposed to eat. But because my tummy was feeling good, I was like, I want to feel good. This feels great. So I did that. And then I, w- I was like, what? which one of those things hurt my tummy? Because a hurricane of poop started all over again. But I think, I think it's, I think it's better now. I still recommend the laxative for anybody with chronic constipation. But just, you can't, you can't go hog wild and eat all the things even when you want to, and I probably did that, and so, yeah, I paid the price, but oh my god, chicken wings are great, everyone should eat chicken wings, they're so tasty, wow, wow, uh, what other personal things do I want to tell you, I am trying my damnedest to start chapter four of my book, Notes from a Queer Cripple, um, but it's, how dare they tell you that in order to finish a chapter of your book, you have to start a chapter of your book. What a horrible, horrible truth that is. Um, I'm trying to start it, but man, procrastination is my favorite thing to do. I'm so good at it. If there was a degree in procrastination, I would have it. I'd have several, actually, because I'm really good at it. Um, but I'm working away on that, and I'm working on those things. Um, I am working on... I'm working on my rates. Actually, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bit transparent here. I do talks for a living. I give talks and I give consulting for a living, and it it's not been a fruitful 
2024 so far. It's only it's only the beginning of March when you're listening to this. So I, we're not we're not even you know halfway through the year yet, but it's been a tough year. So if anybody out there wants to hire me to do talks for them or do consulting for them or do even busy work for them, let me know. Um, I would love to work with you. Um, yeah, I, it's tough being a disabled freelancer, and I'm I'm struggling right now trying to make ends meet because. Sometimes the jobs don't come in, and I'm feeling that that crunch right now. Still got to pay the bills, and disability support rates are not enough. Quadruple the rates, friends. Disability support rates should be four times what they are right now for a lot of us. Anyone who's living on SSI or the Canadian versions of disability support or the Australian versions of disability support or the European versions of disability support, you know how shitty they are. Um, and I'm feeling the crunch, so if you'd like to work with me, or if you know anybody who wants to talk, I'm willing to give them at half price, I'm willing to work with you, let's have a chat, email me at andrewandandrewgerso.com, and we'll go from there. But enough of my rambling, now let's start with the show. Over the past couple of months on my social media, I've started referring to myself as severely disabled. It's a moniker that I've started using because as my disability changes and my experience of disability requires that I need more help, severely disabled just felt more okay for me to talk about. So I've been talking about that on my social media. I've been talking about it a little bit um, with friends and and people that I care about, and I've been using that to describe myself. And on the show today, I sit down with a brand new friend, Dr. Ty Martin, as we sit down together, and he also uh, refers to himself as a severely disabled person and considers himself a severely disabled person. He lives with muscular dystrophy, and we talk about all of our experiences being severely disabled from medical care to caregiving, to the emotional realities of needing ca- of needing support, the emotional realities of being severely disabled. And it was just really nice to sit down with somebody who is also severely disabled and just have a real chat about everything. So we talk about everything under the sun. It was a really easy, fun conversation. We talk about Ty's experience being in the ICU for 40 days as a severely disabled person. We talk about him needing care from his family and what that feels like for him. We talk about what kind of policy changes we would like to see for severely disabled folks. We talk about so much here, and it was such a fruitful and fun conversation. It was so powerful and cathartic for me to sit down with somebody else who considers themselves severely disabled. So I am so happy to bring this to you Two severely disabled friends sitting down together, me and Dr. Ty Martin, right here on Disability After Dark. Ty Martin, hello. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, We follow each other on Instagram and and I've been seeing your stuff and I kind of like what you do. So I was like, hey, come on the show and 
chat with me and you came on and you came on we're recording in a week when I was like oh no I don't have a show ready so I'm excited that you're here Yeah, same here. Happy to to be here and talk about some of the content that that we have in common for sure. yeah yeah for sure um I don't know I mean I know from your social media posts that you're cool and like I know that from talking to you right now you're cool but I don't Thank know much you. about you so could you introduce yourself to the audience and Sure. tell us who you are and what you do Yeah, so so my name's Ty Martin and I live in New Mexico. I uh, I got my original bachelor's degree in chemical engineering and then went on to do grad school at the University of New Mexico and that's that's in Albuquerque so it's it's close to where basically where I grew up and and I received my uh, PhD in biomedical engineering there and my primary research focus was uh, I did some computer-based simulations with with Alzheimer's disease and some of the like small scale you know molecules and proteins that were involved with you know what what they think may cause the disease um That's and then so I cool. kind of I kind of branched out into a totally different direction at the end on uh, some adaptive design for you know things to help with maybe um, students in the classroom that have disabilities and things like that so kind Nice. of two different worlds that I ended up working on Yeah. um Um, the engineering thing, I feel so inept to talk about that because, like, I am certainly not an engineer. I'm the artsy, feely, kind of like, oh, let's write a poem about these feelings and let's write a paper about why this is important. But, like, that's so cool that you, like, I, I love, I love science people because I'm just not that person. I think it's so fascinating because I can't, I have no attention span for that. But so I think when people do that, especially for in, in that high level, it's really cool. Right, definitely. You know, and, and you'd be surprised how much the the art, like creative side, can come out when you, especially when you do like um, computer based simulations and you're making like graphics and images for you know presentations and papers that you can actually you can get some creativity in there, which which I always was into also. So Nice, because kind of I, had a balance. I I love science when I was in, like, grade, the 11th grade, 11th, Yeah. 12th grade. Loved it. But then when I tried to take university, I was like, yeah, I'm not equipped for this. This is not what I do. Like, I love learning about it, but don't make me write a paper about it or don't make me talk about it. Because, Right. like, No, I, I totally get that for sure. um, what part of engineering, like, what part of that <laughs> excited you? Why, why was that something you gravitated to? you know, and uh, as I was growing up in my high school and in middle school, I was doing some like very basic sort of science experiments, right? Just to explore kind of the world around me, you know. And um, I remember one science experiment I did was like I had to figure out what type of chewing gum was the best glue substitute. Um, so that was. You know, kind of early on, there were several little curiosity things that drove me to be interested in it. And, you know, academically, um, I come from a line of, of people that are, you know, really successful in, in academics and have become teachers. And so I think that drive was always there to be interested in it. Yeah. And um, yeah. And once I got into, you know, university, it, it took off from there. Nice, nice. Yeah, I went the other way and I was like, oh, let's talk about the law. Let's do all that. And then, you know, much like you, when I finished my degree, my two degrees, because I have a master's, when I finished them, I was like, oh, I'm not going to use any of this. I'm going to do something completely different. And so, yeah, I get that feeling. I'm like, I got to shift directions. Yeah, totally. I uh, it's interesting you say that because I had I had a mentor and, and she told us years ago when I first started doing research that um, getting your degree is, is kind of a ticket to you know to do more things and you don't necessarily have to go exactly down that exact pathway, you know. Yeah.
And I learned that. I learned that kind of the hard way because I finished two degrees, 10 years of school. And I was like, fuck, well, I don't, I, I'm not going to do what they, what I'm expected to do now. Like, I don't want to go to law school for 10 more years to maybe get a job at the end of that. Like, I don't want to do that. So I, I feel that, that need to like shift. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a huge thing though. To actually, you know, take stock and be able to step back and say that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to keep going this exact direction. You know, like I need, I need to shift it. Well, because it was like, I need to make money. Well, wait, if I go to school for 10 more years, I'm spending money that I don't have Exactly. to do that might get me somewhere, but might not. So what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's jump into the fun stuff. The first question that I want to ask everyone that I ask everybody when they come on here is as comfy as you are, what are your disabilities and how do they impact your day? Yeah. So I have a, a muscular dystrophy and um, up until the last year, I, I was 100% sure it was a Duchenne uh, variety of it. But going back into my medical files, um, I realized that it was not 100% confirmed. So, you know, at this point, I think it's still probably is Duchenne, but um, that's something that I'm not 100% sure on. But Yeah. basically, it's a progressive muscle weakening over time. And, you know, you go from from walking to, you know, gradually losing that function. And um, for me, there were some, you know, early falls that and early like issues with strength that were indicators. Um, but then, you know, going through like middle school and high school, I gradually started using a, a motorized wheelchair and, and scooter and um, using that to get around. And, you know, for, I'm going to say 15, 20 years, it was really stable with, you know, me being able to use the power chair. I could get around on, on campus and get to classes and, you know, do what I needed to. Um, and the upper body strength maintained longer, you know, so I was able to, you know, get, get quite a bit of things done during that phase. Um, and then after the pandemic hit and, you know, things were kind of starting to get back again after it was slowing down, um, I actually had a, a stay in ICU with a, a gallbladder that was almost septic and I was there. I've had the exact same problem. So I know yeah. that I've been right there. Yep. 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 So like 40 days later, you know, I'm not eating or drinking and I have a, a tracheostomy and, and everything. And so it was like, you know, all of a sudden things progressed really quickly, Yeah. you know, and, and I had to stop working, you know, right away then too. So Of it course. was just a major shock to the system, which, you know, you definitely know about. So, Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. No, I I remember when I had my guy had my gallbladder out about ten years ago, and Oh, they wow. were like, Okay. "Wow, you have so many stones in there. How are you surviving?" And I was like, "I don't know. Uh, fix it." Yep. <laughs> that sounds exactly right. They said, I think I had like 150 or 200 gallstones. Wow. They said when they took it out, I, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Just, just like you, they'll like get it out and get me on the path Yeah, to recover. I was like, just do whatever you got to do to get, like, fix it. I mean, Yeah. I remember when I had that surgery, when I was going into the surgery, the anesthetist said, can you walk in, can you walk onto the surgery table? And I kind of looked at them and rolled my eyes and went, have you read my chart? Do you Right. know, like, do you understand that I have never been able to walk? You get that, right? Like, what are you, what are we doing here? <clears throat> Yeah, no, it, it, uh, you quickly lose your confidence in, you know, the medical system when, 
when they have 50 pages of you know notes in your chart from over the years of like you have muscular dystrophy you're in a power chair but then they like try to make you do normal things, things that they do like, anybody never, like that's not normal for me and i could never do this and what are you talking exactly like, could somebody give me a poor anesthetist a note that says i can't transfer what no yeah and that still happens like it doesn't matter if it's a specialist doctor like whatever you can go in and they have no clue you know, what you're dealing with or what your needs are, you know, and it's, it's frustrating. And that honestly was the first time I'd ever been hospitalized for a surgery. So, wow. That was the first time. So only a couple of years ago. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it hit me hard. No doubt. Wow. Um, well, I've had several. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad you made it out. I'm glad. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was such a scary one. I love the deal, but I'm glad you did it. I could have I could have used some of your uh, feedback and advice on that beforehand. I mean, but, well, if if you know, fingers crossed, you don't. But if you have to go back in again, yeah. let me know. And I have a lot of things I can offer to you to make it better. Definitely, um, yeah, that that sounds great. <laughs> things you should bring to the hospital when you're in there for a while. Bring a lot of books, a lot of audio books. Um, bring headphones because you don't know who your neighbors are and you don't know who, what they're going to be doing. Like, um, let's see. Yep. Be ready to be an asshole to all of the staff to get your needs your needs met. Be ready to be the biggest yeah. brick in the world. You you have to like that's the only way that you're going to end up doing anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if were you able to talk through yours. I, I was. Or? I was lucky enough that I was able to. Yeah. I was able to talk through mine. Yeah. See that that was the most exhausting part because like you know when you have disabilities that are severe you you really you know rely on the things that you can still do and, and yeah. when that gets stripped away it's just you know it's it's bad and you can't tell the nurse like when they're turning out my side that they're about to break my leg in half like you know you can't communicate anything really um, yeah and that's so really I, hard and, i mean i remember yeah. the nurses that i had some of them were really nice and wanted to be your best friend and then some of them could have given a shit that you existed yep. and it was like wow you're in care though right like what do you why are you not caring about this person and and some of them even like it, it feels like they intimidate you even at times. Oh you know, yeah, it's, it's their favorite like, thing to do is like I'm yeah. the, I'm the boss. You don't get a say yep. in this. Best of luck to right. you. Right, exactly. And then if you don't have your ability to speak, then it's just like you know open season. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, and, like I I was very very lucky that I could speak, but I can only imagine the fear of yeah. like that's the one thing you have to say what you need and it's gone. Yeah, no, that it was a major shock, you know, and um, one nurse finally figured out, I kept trying to move my, my hand in a motion showing like, like I needed to write something. And, and one of them finally realized that I was trying to communicate by writing a note. So I have this stack of just papers where I was scribbling, you know, and, and my, my notes weren't clear or anything, but yeah, at least I got the point across. And, and then I was lucky enough um I don't know how I got it to happen, but my parents actually were able to alternate staying with me during oh, those goodness. like 30 of the 40 days, I think, or something. And, and um, so that was just, I don't think I would have made it, to be honest, with, without that, without their help. Too. Well, I'm so glad they were there because I, I mean, I, I stayed in, I wasn't in for 40 days when I was in, but I've been in for long stretches and it's, you know, by the like day seven, you're like, okay, my mental health is really bad. I gotta get out of here. Like, I gotta go yeah. inside. I gotta see the world. Yeah. 
yeah and you know then the crazy thing is like that's not even the worst like since i've joined social media i've seen people that have stayed in there for you know three four months or like i just don't know how they find the strength to keep going with that yeah i don't think i honestly don't think i could i mean it's just really hard and I, i mean obviously they do and they they're okay but like yeah, I wish we could talk about what it's like when you are constantly like I live in I live in supported living in Toronto here where I live and like it's nowhere near like a hospital but but I can't imagine living there for three to four months I would lose my mind. Yeah, I I would too. I just I can't I can't imagine you know and then you think about all the issues just staying in there for the amount of time that you or I have and yeah and just like accelerate and augment that with you know all those issues for more and more time I just yeah like I can't even I can't imagine needing to like what if you have to poo what if you need this what if they like what if you I and then in your case not having a voice yeah 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 I mean they they basically you know, did whatever they wanted to with like turning me for like hygiene stuff and trying which to is, do, which, you know, you're thankful for in a way, but right. Also like, right. Which, but also sure, like, like, it's my body. What are you, I'm exactly. a person. What are you doing? What, like, what? Right. And, and yeah, when you're not used to uh, strangers doing things like that to help you, you're just like, wait a minute, this isn't, you know, this isn't comfortable. Yeah. Like and, you didn't, and, then, and also you didn't check with me what we're doing. You just did it. Right, right. And, you know, you don't have your power chair, or I didn't, so I was pretty much oh, just confined, you know, to the... I hate doing that at the hospital when they take you in the ambulance and you have the... Then, yep. you, then you're yep. stuck without a power chair. It's 2024. Why don't we have ambulances that can take a wheelchair? It's a real question I have. Why don't we have it? Can somebody get on it, please? Please. Seriously. I mean, there's there's things that have been solved, problems that are, you know, extremely complicated, but you don't have an ambulance that's equipped or you don't have an you're airplane that has a, a COVID vaccine in what? Yeah. Less than a year. And you're telling exactly. me you can't figure out how to get an ambulance to the hospital. <laughs> exactly. Like a wheelchair accessible ambulance. I don't understand. Yeah. I, I don't get it. And and that goes right into the airplane thing too. Like why is oh, there wow. not a place you can park it? Like, like that's a whole. And I mean, I know people are working on the airplane thing, but it boggles my mind. That every time I look at, I turn around, somebody is saying the same thing. I got hurt on a flight. I, my chair is busted. I, you yeah. know, and then we look at the instances of people that are, that have died because the airlines could give a shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can we just, can we do better? <laughs> Please, right. God. It, it wouldn't be that hard either. At least I don't think it would be, but. The actual yeah, act then, of doing it is not that hard. The policies around yeah. it are ridiculous. Like, what is happening? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and it's just, it makes, you know, severe disability, like, even more disabling, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, there's just no no options. And, and you have all these buses and, and vans that have, you know, slots to park your chair and fasten it down. Like, we it's can not... do it on planes, too. Like, we can do it. Like Yeah. I yeah. would even, I would love it. And I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again because I think it's important. I would love it if, create a fleet, create an airline that's just for disabled and elderly passengers. Why not? I don't care. Sure. Like, let's go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, I mean, I think just life-changing for so many, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, 
if you want to go overseas or, or say like, what if there's a treatment in another country that you need yeah. to get to? And, you know, because it's across the ocean, you can't exactly fly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just think that that would, that would be a game changer. Really. Why don't we have medical flights for like, why don't I have so many questions? I, I didn't think about that. No, I, I'm totally in agreement there. Um, One of the things that I, that I distinctly want to talk to you about today, because you've, been a big supporter of me kind of coming and re-coming yeah. out again is and talking about severe disabilities and you've said it a couple mm-hmm. times already today um and since i came out as you know talking and using severely disabled to describe myself i can't believe the backlash that i've received from people that are not happy that i use that term um wow i, I find it interesting that like i'd never call somebody else that unless they used it for themselves um and so I wonder, like, what does that term mean for you and why do you use it? No, I, I totally, I, I'm surprised that there's that amount of backlash as well, um, because, you know, for me, I keep trying to to kind of drive home the point that it's disability is like this wide ranging, well, I've seen spectrum as a word they've used before, but like, you know, disability is, it's so wide ranging, right? Like, I mean, if you have poor eyesight and you're using glasses, that's, that's a disability yeah obviously it's you know when you have something that interferes with so many things like like muscular dystrophy you know like there's so many obstacles to overcome that you know it it is severely disabled i mean you know i I just think that that's like one one stage of you know of of that range yeah Um, i don't understand to me if, if the person like if we use that term severely disabled and we're comfortable with it, then I think other people should respect you yeah. know the labels that we have for ourselves. Obviously, and I think that like that label for me when I use it, I use it very purposefully, and I use it to drive home the point that this community of people with severe disabilities, so CP, muscular dystrophy, SMA, mm-hmm. all those disabilities, they don't often get highlighted. They don't get right enough support they don't get enough um care they don't get enough money there's no there's not enough funding for those particular disabilities because they're not doing the things that able-bodied people expect disabled people to do which is like you know being being an olympian and doing all these things and overcoming and being severely disabled is like i can't do that even if i wanted to right right now i get that like um you know, if people are used to seeing, you know, somebody that maybe has just a, an injury or, or something on part of their body, like a leg or a hand, and but yet they're still doing these in their minds, like transcendent things, you know, that, that it's just like, well, obviously the, the inspiring term, you know, that they like to throw out. And yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, just because you're, you know, you have more physical limitations that require, you know, you to have more assistive technology or, you know, maybe you have more much personal more care. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I guess people just have their own assumptions of what disability even looks like, right? Like, I mean, I, I find it kind of a, not hurtful, but I find it like interesting when other community members yeah. that are also disabled will say like, oh, well, there's a reason why we don't like using that term. And it's like, well, but have you listened yeah. to the rest of us that, are, that have to use it to get our needs? Right, like, right my disability is not going to get miraculously better. It's probably going to get 
you know, unfortunately, it's probably going to get worse. So right. part of my use of that term was like, if I use it, then I can come to terms with the emotional truth of like, right, it isn't going to miraculously change tomorrow. It's going to probably not be so great later. Right, right. And I think it's a, a really good thing to use it too for awareness. And, you know, you're trying to, you know, share with people disabled or not like you know this is this is its own category you know yes. there's much more that you have to consider or think about and that's not to downplay like other disabilities no it's of course not like, of course not it's like this is a term to you know signify that this is a, a severe, real thing and it's going to be progressive most likely and, and you know it's it is it's its own you know category it really is yeah yeah, I mean, and I, 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 I started to kind of like use it in almost every post I write because I'm like, you know what, I need people to see that this is what it is, and if right. it pisses them off, I can't really care about it because I have to tell my truth, and right. too bad if they don't like it. Right, right, and that's that's kind of the the power of social media in a way too, right? Because like what you put out there and the message that you have on your content is. I mean, that's you, and that's what you want to share, regardless of, yeah. you know, any, like, other opinions on it. So, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I think the fact that there's other people in the disability community that that would be so irritated about that is... And that I, I mean, I, I understand to a point. I think they get... I think we all have been forced to look, look at disability a different way because we want to appease yeah. the able-bodied folks who have the money, who have the funding, right. who have the platforms to shine a spotlight on us. And if we can appease those people using whatever terminology they want us to use, then right. great. So if I pretend, if I say that I'm enabled, not disabled, then some able-bodied person with money will go, well, you're so inspirational. Let me give you a, let me give you some money. Let me do this for you. So I get right. it. But I'm also right. like, I don't want to play that game. Right. And, and I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to, you know, because I think that whether you're severely disabled or not, you have the same rights as anybody else, like regardless of what their disability is. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I don't get it. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Um, one of the things I want to ask you, and I ask a lot of my guests this question, it's twofold. So the first part of the question is, what about disability brings you joy? We never talk about disability joy enough, so I want to bring that out to you. What about your disability brings you joy? Yeah, well, I think that as you grow up with something progressive like that, you you know, you you learn to treasure the small things, and I, I think that everybody could use some of of that. You know, like you you like a cup of coffee, or you like getting outside. Like things yeah. that are taken for granted. You know, but I think that that it's nice to be aware of, you know, the importance of enjoying those things. Um, and I also think like, you know, some of the relationships that you end up having are really powerful and, and more authentic in a lot of cases, because, you know, people that, that are close to you, they, they know that, you know, you're dealing with disability, but they also treat you like, you know, like a person, like, you okay. know, you're, yeah. You're with them, yeah, and that's that's a huge thing with what I'm trying to do, you know, kind of with my social media messages. Like, I found this term called humanness, which I was like, is that even a real word? Humanness, like that seems like something made up, but it's not. Yeah. 
and I, I looked it up and it was like, yeah, it's actually, you know, like demonstrating or, or doing things that the humans do. So, you know, I, I just think that those kind of bonds, you know, are, are something that us with disabilities are, you know, able to do. It's, and it's yeah. nice to be able to do that. And, um, and I also think just being able to find things that, that you still are passionate or, or love to do, you know, whether it's hobbies, academics, you know, whatever, I think that you, when you have a disability and especially a severe disability, like you, you know, you really feel um, like proud or happy to have those things in your life. Yeah. And, those little, di- so what are those things for you that are like, did like, so like yeah. coffee, it sounds like it's one. Yeah. That, I, um, I probably rely on that too much at times, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's definitely a thing. And like, you know, I like um, pretty much listening to music, like for parts of the day, you know, and, and uh, like surfing, youtube you know little things like that you yeah that yeah there's so much content out there that's you know it's either like funny or it's helpful you know and good messages so those are a couple things um you know just like i don't know just hanging out with family or or friends is like a huge thing for me i have a nephew who's about to turn three and and um getting to facetime and do things with him you know is is another one of those things that you know it's just an enjoyable um enjoyable escape really um yeah it's just something that takes you out of your like the monotony of disability care all the time right right and um i was gonna make another point too oh so i actually like um i like to play a few video games that i like to watch um nfl football on occasion so you know things that kind of let me get like transport myself somewhere else for a little while you know it's it's nice do you know sometimes as a severely disabled person, I feel like, you know, if somebody offered me a green pill and a, a red pill and the green pill was like, you're not disabled. And the red pill was like, you'll be disabled more than you were before. Like, obviously I would take the green one. Do you ever have those yeah. moments where you're like, if I could just transform myself and not be disabled, I would do it. You know, I mean, there's aspects of it for sure. Um, like the, the tracheostomy and the ventilator, you know, that's something that, um, I had been aware of before, but if, if I could, I, I actually am working on strengthening, you know, the breathing muscles to, to make an attempt, but that's something yeah. I would kind of, I would take away parts of it. Um, but like other parts of it, I don't know. I, like, I don't know. That's kind of a hard question because yeah, I know, it's you know, like on one hand, you're like, well, it's, it's part of me and part of what makes me who I am. And, and, you know, it brings a lot of positive traits with it but at the same time you know you're like there are parts that you totally want to get rid of oh yeah like i had days where i'm like i wonder what i would look like if i could stand like i wonder right. how my what my i wonder what my gait would look like i wonder what my how my mm. legs would look i wonder like what is it like to have calf muscles like yeah and what is it like to have quads like what are those i don't know right. i'll never have that so Right. That yeah, I get that for sure. And uh I think in my case too, like I got to experience some of those things growing up because it was kind of a slowly progressive uh process. So like I yeah. you know, I was able to do a few of those things and so I I can't remember what it feels like anymore, um, like to walk or to stand or or but you know, in my mind I kind of can visualize it a little bit, but but yeah, like I, I do get that sometimes. Like what if I could 
you know, what if I could like feed myself again? Or what if I could go get in the car and like drive wherever I want just because I want to go, you know, yeah. like that, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you mentioned feeding them, you feeding yourself, but I know what it's like when you, I mean, I can do it a little bit, but when I do it, I make a mess. So I just, I take the help when I can get it, but I do, yeah. you know, those things like, losing that function, losing those things that we, that people take for granted, that's hard. Um, and so the, the flip side of the question is like, we know it brings you joy. What about disability? Do you grieve? Right. Well, definitely the, the isolating aspects of it, right? Like you can't just go um, anywhere and visit anybody for length, uh, you know, like a long length of time. You always have to plan and be like, okay, well, I have these caregiving needs. You know, I'm only going to have two hours where I can socialize and then I have to get help or like, um, yeah. like eating or, or drinking. It's like, well, you know, obviously staying hydrated is an important thing, but then if it's not on your like priority list for the day, you know, you kind of, for me, it's easy to, you know, to forget or ignore that. And then you yeah. pay the price for so some of those your, things. So is your bathroom, is your like, like tea routine, like a catheter and that kind of stuff? So I, I had one in the hospital and uh, luckily I was able to get off of that. So like, you know, the, the functionality there is, is okay. It's just being Jealous. able to. I wish I can't. <laughs> I wish it, it, uh, I mean, still right now for the most part, I have to use caregiver assistance yeah. on, on yeah. all of that. So, I mean, it's still, that's a drawback, right? Like you have to depend. Oh yeah. I mean, you have to be so, you have to be so vulnerable of like, Here's and, my whole body in front of another right, person right now. Right. And like if it's in my case, it's family that's caregivers. Like you, you know, you're trying to balance they have things that they want or need, or you know, you don't want to completely like dominate every minute. Oh, that's so hard when it's your day. family because like they'll do it for you and they'll yeah. have no problem doing it for you. Never. But there's always this underlying feeling of like, you what did I just take away from your day? Yeah. Yeah, and like for me, I, I've at times I may be too considerate, considerate of you know worrying about other people and like what they're going through or sacrificing, right? And it's just like, well, if I could do some of these things independently, it would you know ease so much of the burden. On, oh yeah, and, and I know like that we, the burden complex is a thing. Oh, know? it's a real thing, and people always say like, oh no, you're not a burden, but you're like, oh, cool. Why do I always feel that way? That like even if even yeah. if no one says it or no one implies you are or they do it all for you and it's no problem that yes. never goes away like i've traveled all over the world with my mom and i love her to bits but like yep she i still if she is to take care of me i'm like well i'm a burden oh no yeah yeah and i mean that i think that shows that that you care and love them too right because you know we're, we're good about not as much as it is about us and our needs and getting getting you know help doing them it's also you know, like, I want to make sure that they're okay and that they're yeah. taken care of. And yeah, I, but I get that, you know, like, I'm still trying to figure out ways, like on the restroom type of issues, like, you know, how, how to get around that. Because when you grow up, you know, high school, college, beyond, like, you want to go to a conference, you want to go to a friend's party, a party you want to go to like, I yeah. Mean, and, and you don't want to stay there for just two hours. I mean, even though, it's a good interval of time, but but sometimes you want to be able to relax and not even think about it, right? Like, yeah, like can you imagine staying over in someone's house? Like, I would, I love that that idea. I can never do that, but I love the idea. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, like I've, I've gotten to do that with some hotels or when I stay with family, you know, but I still have my, my parents with me for, you know, helping with all of yeah. the caregiving needs. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's tough to be, it's tough to feel. Yeah. Independent, whatever the fuck that yeah. is, but like, you know, it's tough to feel like, yeah, what is independent? Yeah. Like what the fuck yeah. is it? But it's tough to feel like that sense of self when, you know, for you and for me, probably too, every, every two to three hours, you need somebody, you need something, you need support, you need. Right. And like, I feel there's a, I have a grief around why do I need this? And if I just didn't need this and if I didn't yeah. bother anybody, everything would be fine. Right. No, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And it, you know, it goes in phases, right? Like some days it, it hits you more than others. Like, you know, like I'm stuck. I can't get out. I can't, you know, yeah. I can't even, you know, use the restroom on my own. Like things start really, they can get to you. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, sure. I think, you know, when you have the same caregivers, like I live in a place where I have caregivers coming in and out all the time. Yeah. And so you, they're, you're polite to them to a point, but then you have days where you're just like, fuck off. Like, I, like, like, thank you oh, so much, but get yeah. out of my house. Right. Right. And I mean, like, like, that's another human thing, right? Like we don't always want to have constant contact, you know, sometimes we need some self-care, like, you know, like alone time. To yeah. Like, just like, yeah. The other day, my care agency called me and said, oh, can we, um, invite a student to come watch your bed routine and i said that i had let them come in before so i said like no not this time i'm good and they were like, oh can i ask why and i was like well how would you like it if somebody was watching your every move so they could learn and again i support their need to learn i get it right but also right. like i'm a person i'm not a guinea pig i'm a human being right and it's amazing how they take that for or not amazing, but it's ridiculous how they take that for granted, you know, because like I had a few um, during my recovery, I had some home health, you know, nurses and therapists coming out and it's like, yeah, we brought this person along and they wouldn't even ask you beforehand. Right. They just show up with them and say, hey, yeah, they're going to watch. Me. You know, like, like take a or, poo or like, you know, go to the bathroom or like whatever. Yeah, it is. And you're like, like seriously. I, no. I'm and, and they're just standing there watching you like, yeah, I hope you're enjoying the show here. You know? Yeah. Like, like I'll never see you again, but cool. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's exhausting and like, you know and, until and that you hospital have to be on your best behavior when they're there too because exactly, exactly you know you have to be and you know you have to and they're learning and so you yeah you can be and you can be so angry that they're there but you're like oh no it's great how are you good like it's right. so it's so stressful and I don't know about you but at times I feel like you know us with the more needs we have with our disability the more yeah. we like internalize these things and like try to have this calm disposition oh yeah you know, like, because you know that if you're angry then they won't help you and i think right like that upsets me a lot too is like if i don't remain calm i'm not going to get the care that i need but right you are making me uncalm and so like how am i supposed to what like it's really hard yeah it, it is and it's uh <laughs> there's not a great answer for it because you know, like, like you have to have those things. And so, you know, you always try to avoid conflict. You try to be nice and polite to them and stuff. And whether they are doing the job well or not, or just sitting there yeah. watching, I mean, it's, even if it's crap, yeah. you're like, okay, yeah. well, I guess like, even like I can imagine in the hospital when they were turning you and almost breaking your leg, which is making me cringe thinking about it. I can imagine you were still like, oh, it's cool. Don't worry about it. It's all right. I, I tried to, once I could speak again, you know, I, I got a little more 
fourth flight. Probably made some people mad, to be honest, but I don't care. Good for you. Like, well, I, you like, I went, I went over the heads of, you know, several of the nurses to one of the doctors, and I'm like, you know, like, I got to get my parents to stay here with me because they know what, what needs to be done, you know, and yes. and like, I even got a small hairline fracture in my hip what? because come on, really, they had no idea how to, like, they don't know how to turn you or like, like if they lift your knee up you know like i can't hold it there once they lift it up so it's gonna fall obviously yeah um so you know just like i think the education system to, around medical um areas is is severely lacking it's the, it's I mean, the, we're literally the worst i've ever seen in my life yeah there's no and there's no training that i i have seen you know and they train and, and them was, but then when we yeah. roll into the hospital, they go, oh, no, what yeah. are we doing? And it's like, well, what did, uh, didn't you learn about right. that? What do you, don't you know what to do? <laughs> and I don't know if you have um, contractures where, like, your legs and arms can only move so far. Yeah. But yeah. those are the most painful when somebody's trying to move your knee straighter than it goes. You know, it, it's nope. just, it's brutal. It's, and Yeah. And your hips. And then they like to just pump you full of painkillers, you know, to try to make it manageable or something but then you're opening up a whole nother yeah then you're get, then you're either getting um you're either getting like stomach infections because they gave you too many drugs yeah. or yep. you're getting constipation because they gave you too many drugs yep. that's so your whole system's out of whack oh no i i've, I've been right where you are and it's it's really i can imagine for those 40 days you're in yeah really yeah. frustrating to have, like you or you're it, you're a doctor basically like you like you're not obviously not the same kind of doctor, but you're demoralizing, right? Yeah, you may, you feel like like the most insignificant person in the world at times because yeah. it's like, well, you know, my day now revolves around turning over, cleaning out like stuff with bathroom needs or whatever, and like you know, turning me and like giving me things like fentanyl that made me hallucinate, like yeah, which like, is like, and it takes yeah. away your personhood, and I feel like sometimes yeah. like they will deliberately take away your personal because it's easier for them. And that's the big yep. problem. Yep, it is. And, you know, I just think that as much as they go on about making sure you're licensed and trained and you you know how to handle, you know, things like giving medicines or whatever, I'm like, there needs to be at least a few courses on, you know, how do you help someone with a severe disability? Yeah, you know, be able use to... the term severe disability because when people hear disability, they think, immediately exactly. think spinal cord injury which is right, not it's right. which has its own like fun cakewalk of things to deal Absolutely. with but, like when i say severe disability i mean sma i mean cp i mean mm -hmm. md and, and don't you think that like if people become more aware and used to that term they automatically think those sets of, of diseases then right yeah. away they're like oh okay well you know this is a severely disabled case we need to do x y and z to make sure that things work okay yeah you mean if they had trained and i've, I've said this before i'll say it again because it's important like have a disabled person in the hospital with yep. who have a group of them one someone that's blind someone that's severely disabled someone that's got a spinal cord injury and yep. whenever somebody comes in you send that person down and be like okay can you imagine like how um, much better that would improve? Oh my God! It would change hospital care. It would. It would. And mentioned also provide employment for the people with yeah. disabilities that they have in there to help. You know, and, and I'm not saying that you know just because two people even have the same SMA or same 
MD, you know, that does, doesn't or mean CP, that they yeah, need exact same needs, but it means that they know they're aware of a lot of the challenges that come with it and, and how you handle it, right? Yeah. Because like I tell people that, you know, we know ourselves better than anybody else when you have that disease. So like, and we want you to know about us, right? but we want you to know about us. That's why we're, that's why we're here. Right. Right. And like, we're the experts in that case. Right. So you would think they'd be getting information from us on how to proceed, but they, I mean, they they, they're going to say it's money. They're going to say it's conflict of interest. They're going to say, right. You're going to find every excuse in the book not to hire us. Um, right. We were going to talk about employment in uh, part of the podcast anyway, so let's go there. How do you feel about yeah. uh, employment and disability right now for yourself? It's, uh, you know, before the, the hospital stay, I, I felt like I was able to, you know, spend. Okay, I should back up. When I was in grad school, I felt like I was able to spend up an, enough time to do my job justice, right? And to do it well and, and be successful with it. Yeah. But um, basically, once the pandemic hit, um, you know, I think, I don't know if it was a consequence of being home way more than usual, or if, if my MD was going to progress anyway. Um, but then like I, I was able, I wasn't able to do near as much, you know, to fulfill the job needs. And, um, I'm even wondering if that fueled, you know, stress to the point that put me in the hospital, right? Like, you know, realizing I can't spend 80 hours a week on this. And I need to, and I want to, but I, I can't, you know? Yeah. And, but like, there's that whole anxiety stress factor of, you know, not living up to like your Some expectations. Arbitrary able-bodied standard yeah. of what the job, but yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. You know, and I think, I think I'm my harshest critic even now at oh, times, but I've gotten better at it. But, um, you know, right now it's, uh, I'm not able to work even full time, you know, because there's still hours of care. Yeah. need to happen um and I, I try to envision you know what that would look like if i tried to start working you know a job like i was doing before and i just don't like for my own mental health and sanity i, I can't devote that kind of time so it's like okay well well now what do i do how do i balance like i want to be productive right and i want to like do something that i feel is worthwhile yeah um, with my time but also make enough money to make ends meet and and to survive on you know and and i just feel like disability benefits uh so i'm lucky enough i finally was able to get them reinstated from years before so it's it's enough to you know do what i have to do and so i'm really you know thankful for that and it, it provides medical assistance too yeah um, but i have the amount of of assistance and aid that people can get from from that um it varies so much and it takes so much time and i've even heard of cases where it's like you know maybe 700 dollars a month of living and and i can't think of anywhere where that would be enough almost you know to to live on um so like i don't know i'm just and for my own reinstatement it took a year like i, I wasn't wow. working and it took a year to finally get that back in place because you, you had know. worked before and so they yeah yeah and i at the time when i was working in grad school i was you know supported by my advisors they had research grants and so that that's everything right so i mean yeah so i didn't luckily enough i didn't need the other support at the time you know and, yeah. and i would hope that those resources went somewhere else 
that were needed. But um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's employment, such a, it's a shit show. Other animal, right? Yeah, exactly. It oh, is yeah, a shit it's a, show. It's like, I'm a freelancer and I'm constantly like, hey, can I work for a hundred bucks? Can I do this article? And I, you know, that's not what I charge for what I do, but I'm like, I got to feed myself. What do I, how am I supposed to survive? I live on like right. the Canadian version of SSI and I don't make enough to live. Yeah. <laughs> like I right. barely am screaming by, I'm doing it, but I'm barely. And like, it's just a shame that all these companies will say like, oh yeah, we want to have diversity and inclusion and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, well, if that's true, where the fuck am I? Why are you hiring me? Right, right. And, and where is the like adaptability and, you know, employment requirements? Like, you know, that they should be flexible, you know, with you more often. And, and I feel, I don't know about you, but like insurance doesn't cover all the medical needs. Oh, yeah, and no, things no, that I'm here. sure you know. Yeah. So it's like, if you throw that into your expenses, you know, plus your living expenses in your home and then like food and then, you know, yeah, by the time getting, you're done. That SSI yeah. check, you know, you get you're living on maybe maybe four hundred five hundred bucks. Right, right, and that's just not that is just wrong. Actually, yeah, it's no, completely it's... wrong. Um, yeah, that you know the fact that we'd have to go through that, and then you know to get that insurance approval on on medical things, they're like, why do you need other caregiving needs besides stretching? Right or nursing, like what? What if there's something else you need help with? Yeah, well, that's out of pocket, right? Like you can't. Like what if like, I want my room cleaned or what? You know what I mean? Yeah, like like something so simple. Like what if you want to go to the grocery store and have somebody yeah like, with you and pick up right groceries? What if you wanted or needed companionship? Like you know, what if you needed wanted somebody once a week to just come be your friend? Like who cares if they're yeah. being like they don't think about the emotional impact of like needing all these things and not yeah. having the funds to get it. Right. Right. And and to me, some of those other, you know, more holistic health or mental health or, you know, some of those things that we deal with that, that aren't supported by, you know, insurance or anything like that, those can be as worthwhile or as important as, you know, the physical things that they say. Oh that, yeah. Yeah. We'll cover you for that. So like, I would love it if my insurance would say, you know what? We will cover your therapy. Go and find the best therapist and go have... Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that, that would also be a game changer, right? Like that level Wouldn't it be of... great? And wouldn't it be awesome if they were like, oh, you're severely disabled? We'll pair you with a severely disabled therapist. Here's one. Right. Right. That that would be. And, and you know, if, if it's a specialized therapist, then they're more accustomed or you would hope you know, more experienced with, with a severe progressive, you know, disease. How do you feel about now? We've, we've, we've talked about, you've said progressive a lot in the last hour. Yeah. Or so how yeah. do you feel like, how do you feel about it being progressive? Like I know for me, they told us when I was growing up that CP is not progressive. I am starting to believe that's a piece of shit. Cause it so is. And that's like, what, how do you feel knowing that it's progressing? Like, is there part of you that's, angry about that party that's how does it make you feel uh, yeah for sure i mean anger is one of the emotions but you know like anxiety and worry about the future like it's the the biggest thing because you know you're just thinking well what if one day you know what if i can't even like use my touchpad to to use my computer yeah you know like like talk about independence and being able to like 
speak as being a huge thing. Well, so is accessing, you know, technology, social media. Like for me, like that's, that's my job. I mean, that's my, that's my contact to family and outside world. I mean, it's so, you know, there's things like that. You're just like, well, what if I wake up and I can't do this thing that's so integral and so important to me that like that, that's the biggest deal for me. Um, And I, I try to not go there, you know, as much as I know you need to, you know, have some idea or plans of like, of course, but it's a really, who wants to go there? It's so scary. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like more and more, I'm trying to say, well, yeah, I need to think a little bit about that, but I also want to enjoy today and tomorrow, like, you know, doing what I'm doing every day because I can do it. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh no, it totally does. Like I had somebody call me up the other day from it was my insurance people not not disability insurance just like a regular insurance guy and he's like have you thought about a will have you thought about like you know prepping for the future and i just went <laughs> no i mean i'm only almost 40 but i guess i will now like <laughs> and i it was scary because you know when we were when i was coming up in the 80s and growing up in the 80s and 90s like they told my family he's only probably going to live to a certain age like, yeah i hate that that like that that's one of the worst things sorry to cut you off that no 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 that really gets under my skin because you know and and i felt it growing up as a kid and like like you know middle and high school like well how long do i have how many years is this expected you know and so then i I would be like well don't even look that up just enjoy what you're doing right now but you can't help it right like you sooner or later you're gonna find out Um, yeah because someone's gonna burn out or ask you or like or just google right like you just yeah you just like google muscular dystrophy right and it's like well, it's this disease and they most, most of them don't survive past 30 and all this, you know, general stuff. And yeah. And more and more, I'm just like, okay, like you can be the most able-bodied person in the world, walk out on the street and yeah, die. I mean, like, I mean, so anymore, I'm just like, why don't you just enjoy the time, like what you're doing now, the time you have and like, don't like, don't put a number on it. Right. Like, I know. Cause once you have that number, then at 2 AM when you can't sleep, what happens those worries come in your head and then exactly you're you're like preoccupied by oh my i only have this amount of time left like yeah my mom and i love her to bits and mom if you're listening sorry (laughs) i love her to bits but she keeps saying like i hope you make it to 60 and i'm always like well but like oh god that's so scary i mean how about most people hope they make it to tomorrow like is that that a big deal yeah you, you know and you can't help but like when you have those thoughts, you feel this accelerated, you know, need to like do internal something. pressure, almost like, like I want to, you know, I want to go get a successful job and have a family and do, you know, kind of all those things. And then you're like, wait, I just turned 35. How much longer do I have? You know? And yeah. And that to kind do of thing. the things like, right. And right. that pressure to, to be, I also think, you know, we suffer from, especially being severely disabled. We suffer from this pressure of like, the realization that we're never going to live up to the capitalist standard of what quote unquote yeah. success looks like and realizing yeah. that our successes are getting out of bed for a day, like getting yeah. care. I mean, like realizing that our successes are different is a really hard thing to, to wrap our head around my head. Up, at least it is. Way. No, I get that for sure. Because you're, you're still, you can't help but compare yourself to, you know, everybody else that has like you know six-figure job or or whatever or you know even like they have like the ideal quote-unquote relationship that people you know 
like having their minds or whatever. It's yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, it's um I don't know. It's it's not great and you shouldn't have to do that, right? Like like if you enjoy the things that you're doing right now, like even being able to jump on a podcast, right? I mean like like those are things that we should enjoy too. Like yeah, like victories, well, being, right? one of the things that I've enjoyed like, in this last little bit just today is being able to talk about this stuff with somebody yeah. who's also like, guess what? I'm also severely disabled. Like, yeah, I understand. Like, it's it's so nice because you know we have all these thoughts in our head that we keep to ourselves because yeah, you know, or or in my case, I spew them on social media and then I run away. But like, <laughs> I don't talk about them openly because like, I know that most people don't want to hear that. They want to hear. That I'm disabled and okay, or I'm disabled right. and successful. They don't want to hear that. They, they want you to be inspiring to them for whatever yeah. reason, right? Like, yeah, like you got out of bed and, and you're able to go to the bathroom and like use your computer. Like, yay! Like that's. I mean, those are know. great things. I'm very thankful for that. But like, exactly, you know. But for other people like, to, to look from the outside in and say, "Well, that's that's amazing," like, you know, it's it's like no, that's just that's my life and that's part of what that's i do just you know? my day yeah yeah that's just part yeah, of my day yeah. like what you're not seeing is my anxiety what you're not seeing is like yeah why i won't drink a lot of water because i know if i drink too much water then i'll have to pee and then i'll need help but right that, what you're not seeing is like that i won't ask for help when i need it or i won't or i'm afraid that somebody will run away or i'm afraid that this friendship will right fall apart because they'll see how disabled i am like yeah yeah no that that's uh it causes a lot of anxiety. And I remember even years ago that I would have um, like these panic attacks sometimes, right? Because my mind was so busy with all the what if scenarios that, you know, I just couldn't, couldn't sleep, you know? And, and you find ways to like somehow distract or get your mind off of it because, you know, it's, it's debilitating. And yeah, you know, it actually, I was reminded too a minute ago when you said um, with the employment and everything, like when you have to worry about, um, if I'm going through the outside door and the push button is broken, like, or if the door is shut when I'm taking an exam or whatever, I need to go to the restroom during the exam, you know, yeah. like all those little annoying things, they take up your, your mind space, right? Yeah. So like, how are you supposed to, you know, solve 20 math problems or like, you know, do it like, I don't know, 50 multiple choice question exam or whatever, you know, when you're sitting there like, okay, well, what if I start in the restroom? Like, how am I going to get out? And how am I going to have enough time to get it done? And how am I going to get support? And how am I going to, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, just all these extra little worries that add up, you know? Yeah. Now, I see you're in a big power chair. And I think yeah. power chair folks have a different level of accessibility than non-power chair folks. Um, yep. So, and I talk about it all the time on the platform. So, I wonder for you, like, what what is, as a power chair user... What does accessibility look like for you that's different than, say, a manual chair user? Right. Um, so the biggest thing that comes to mind first is, like, comfort and positioning, you know, because with my power chair, like, I, I can recline, like, stretch my back. Isn't that the I greatest freaking thing it, that ever came to power chairs? Seriously. It's seriously. I'm still waiting for the heated seat, but, but yeah, right? next to that. The heated like, massage seat. See, that's what I want. That's what I need yeah. right there. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, having that ability to, I even have a, a leg recliner, right? So I can raise my legs up and down and yeah, stretch too. them. Me like too. that, that stuff's huge. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to think. Back when I was a little more, I had some more strength in my upper body. I could actually drive my chair with one hand and put the other one like up on the doorknob and turn it and pull 
you know, and, and angle it just right where I could drive in. Yeah. And I, I did that for several years and I, I was actually pretty good at it. Um, you know, so like it allowed, there's no way I could have done that with a, a power, with a manual chair. Right. So, um, and then things like, uh, well, Sam, going through a door that's that you're wanting to push it instead of pull it, right? Like if I have a foot rested or out in front of me, I can just, you know, not Go necessarily the door. Ram, ram it, but I can like, you know, push through it. And uh, or like if there's a chair in my way or something, like oh know, my god, that's that. my favorite game is when you're with somebody yeah. and you can help you. Like, I'll just I'll just ram the chair. It's fine. Like, it's yep. fine. I'll just take it out. I don't care if I like leave a dent on it or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a big difference. Like, and the other thing too, is, uh, I have an elevator on mine, so I can go up and down maybe 12 oh, inches. Yeah. Um, and, and when you're in a manual chair, you don't have that kind of reach. I mean, no that, way. And, and some of these push buttons are installed. Like you're an able-bodied standing person at like six foot and you can just reach up and, and push it. And you're like, yeah, like, why would you put like, it there? Uh, yeah. And even if you have an elevator on your chair, you're still, you know, you're, you're kind of screwed because you can't get in you can't bend or you can't reach it yeah 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 um yeah so like i i don't even know what i do without the power chair i'm so high like I, I, but i just think when we create like we're talking about policy change one of the policy yeah. changes that i would make for severely disabled folks and most severely disabled folks use power chairs most of us not all of us i'm gonna be very clear not everyone with a severe disability uses power chair but a lot of us right um, absolutely and so uh, the policy change that I would make is look at the ADA requirements and refit everything for a power chair because yeah. some of the things that are ADA compliant, like when I go to the States, I'm like, how, I can't do this. What do you, what? Yeah. You know, that reminds me that one of my graduate advisors, I was working on uh, some adaptive equipment designs and things with her and we were looking at ADA, you know, requirements and, and we we're like, well, even though it's ADA like compliant, it's not ADA friendly, you know, yeah. like it's not, it's not made with any kind of convenience really in mind. It's like, well, does it, is it like, you know, 30 inches to the left or, you know, like all those very specific. It fits some code that was made 30 years ago, like 33 yeah, years right. ago. Well, look how like... the technology has changed with power chairs. So why can't you change the code with it? Right. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be able to update and adapt, you know, it's, like if we forward. have to adapt to all your shit, why can't you adapt to ours? Exactly. Hey, and if you want inspiration, like we'll give you a lot of that on how you adapt to, you know, like one day you wake up and you can't lift your arm. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, we have, we can help you, you know, adapt it. So, like I wish that every house that was built in the U.S. from now until eternity was ADA friendly because you yeah. might have a friend that is disabled. You might run into the sexiest person you've ever met in your life and they might be disabled yep. like oh i want to invite them over for my movie or a date or something and like what if they if your house is ada compliant then or ada friendly then they could come to your house right exactly and and you don't have to worry about asking them to help you you know with caregiving stuff or or whatever because it's you know it's ada friendly enough yeah. that you can just do your thing and it's in your comfort zone right so i mean that's that's huge but i just yeah policy change should it should grow with the other things that that evolve over time i mean like listen like, biden if you want to make some big changes here like hire yeah. us. we're right here right <laughs> hi, hi hi hello <laughs> hire severely disabled folks 
president. I don't know. I don't. Know. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I mean they 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 talk about it, but you just don't see you don't see it actually happening. No, still. of course not. Because why would that? Because then, because that's way that's how how could they? It's too much. Right, right. Because like like severely disabled and and even like elderly, like they decide that that their lives aren't worth. Yeah, they're going to go to a nursing home and die, and that's fine. Right, right. And I hate to break it to you, but most of the other people will too. I mean, like everybody, you know, there's not an immortal person yet. So, like, there's not? Shocker. I mean, I thought I was going to live forever. No, no. I I know, I know. Like, I know the Marvel movies make you think that, but I uh, wish for Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, there there is a part of me that if, like, they were like, Andrew, you could take this pill and you would be disabled forever, but you'd live forever. Part of me is like, okay, I want to see what that'll do. Yeah, yeah, sign me up, right? Like, let's let's see how that goes. Yeah, I want to see what like I I want to see if in a hundred years, do we have a hover chair? Is there hover like, or or like, can I can I take the essential like organs that I need to think and speak and talk and just put them in like some other in a regular system, body? Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Um, I'm trying to think of what other questions I have for you. Uh, trying to think because there's so much I could go. So, so, like, if there was one policy in the U.S. you could change right now for severely disabled folks, what would that be and why? Wow. We'll say one or two. I'm just like, well, for one thing, the the I saw that you posted on the marriage issue the other day. Yeah, and that one is one of the ones that just. I hear it and I instantly just feel angry and, you know, oh yeah, really demoralized by it because why are we being penalized for wanting to get they married? Love. Uh, yeah. Like, are you kidding? Like, how, how is that even remotely? How is thing? it even legal? Who was like, and, and you're going to be penalized idea. financially when we just talked about all these employment challenges, right? So, so you're challenged there and you have like, social security or something similar and all of a sudden just because you love somebody and get married they're going to strip that away and make it harder the fact that you can find the fact that you as as us as like a severely disabled person could find somebody who could get over their ableism enough to want to like actually marry you which is a big like like, that's not a hurdle enough right like that's not a challenge yeah so you found somebody that's not a douche that's not a douchebag that like that wants yep. to spend time with you that understands the reality of that and then the government says oh no you can't do that like what right right so I mean yeah that's that's a big one and then some of the wheelchair insurance coverage or even medical coverage like I don't understand like I know we talked about some of the mental challenges and things earlier like yeah. why won't they support you know those kind of things with insurance. Or like, why until just like the last couple of years, if I needed a wheelchair elevator, why do I have to pay $1,500 out of the pocket because you deem that that's not a daily living need? Like, Isn't that the worst? When I was getting my tilt, my, the OT in the room was like, well, do you really need it? And I was like, <laughs> yes, I really need it. Yeah. And she was like, well, you don't move. You don't need to move a lot during the day. And I was like, but yes, I do. Because skin breakdown, you're an uh, OT. Who are like, you to say that, first of all? Yeah, like, like what? You're, you're a trained therapist. Like, like, how could you even go there? How is that a part of the conversation? How am I justifying what I need? 
Why, why should, should you? You should be saying, right. Andrew, you or Andrew, or like, Ty, you need this? Cool, let me write up a thing. Right. We'll get it for you. Right. It's almost like, you know, tell me about like your day and what the biggest needs are for your chair to do what you need and want to do. Yeah. And we're going to get those things, you know? Like, like this, and, past, this past fall, yeah. I had to fundraise for my lift. I had to fundraise exactly. for my lift to get in and out of bed. And when I called the agencies to be like, before I did the fundraiser, I called and said, like, who who takes care of this? What are the rules? And they were like, oh, we don't do that. And I was like, so how how am I going to get it? And they were like, oh, uh, you probably won't. And I was like, so, so then I, you know, I got on GoFundMe and I just made a fundraiser and said, here's what's happening. I got yeah. the money in about a week and a half. It was fine. And I'm, I'm privileged and lucky enough that I got to do that. But, like, what if you aren't? What if you can't? Right. Right. And, I mean, you know, it, as awesome as that is that people are willing to to help and donate and things like that, like, it, you know, for you to have to worry about doing that for every single extra thing that you really need. Every single thing. Like, I mean, yeah. And, like, you know, with the like with my seat elevator, it's like, well, yeah, it's the daily need. Like, my bed is 12 inches higher than my chair when it's sitting yeah. on the ground or like, you know, when I used to be able to reach an elevator, button, like, you know, I'd have to elevate to get the higher buttons. It's like, well, like, who are you to, to diagnose and say like, well, you don't need that. That's not a daily living need. Like, yeah. Like I know exactly what I need. What are you talking about? Yeah. Once what again, are... they need to realize that we're the experts on our disease and what we need. Not, and even though I'm not the expert, like I know what feels good and I know what doesn't well, feel good. And if you don't give that's... me the elevator, I'm not going to feel good. So. Right. That's what I mean by expert. I guess in this case is like, you know, like you're the expert in knowing these are the things that would be helpful to me to live my life. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And like to, yeah. To my quality of life. Like I think these yeah. policymakers and these like gatekeepers of care forget like, even when they were turning you over at the hospital, you should have yeah. been loving every moment of that because your quality of life is important. Like they should be like, "Oh, right. we're hurting you. Let's stop and reassess." Sorry, let's try again. Right, and and like I, I would even come up with like a kind of a procedure or a set of steps that that I could tell the nurses to use to help turn me without me being in pain. Like I needed to cross my ankles a certain way you know, like maybe use a pillow or something. And, and there were even a few times it's like, well, either way, we're just going to have to get it done. And I'm like, well, if you'd stop and listen to me for two seconds, if I'm going to make it easier. Like, just like, listen to me. I'm a person like what? I don't, that makes me so angry because I've been exactly where you are. And I, and in the moment you have to like be composed because you have no other choice. Yeah. But after right. you like, the minute they leave, you break down and scream or you cry or whatever it is. Cause you're like, well, that's all. What? like what what no yeah it's it really is demoralizing and you know what i was surprised about is is how frequent it happens like once i really started getting into the social media thing i, I knew there were you know others that that had gone through that and worse but when you start reading story after story just you know like like an injury that happened or like not being considerate or or like not you know, listening to them it, or like leaving like, them in there I I know of somebody who was left in their fecal yeah. matter for hours because the nurse seriously wondered, like what are we doing is this okay and, like and you no. know what there was even a case or two where uh, like I would try to look like I was still asleep and like try to like not even engage to let them know that I needed to be turned or cleaned or anything at times yeah. you know because 
you're you're avoiding that that pain so much that you know you're just like well, I don't I don't care I'm not gonna do something that would hurt that much. Um, that's just that and, and why would you have to make those choices, right? Like how messed nobody up would want to make those choices. So like, why do we have to? Right, right, exactly. And we're expected to swallow it. Like that's the worst part. We're expected to to just swallow it down, just take it, and, and go on. Right. Then you then they wonder why all of a sudden we get mad. And it's like well, I got mad because I couldn't express that I was mad before. And yeah. Like, and it's day fucking 38 of me being here and I'm exhausted and leave me alone. Right. No doubt. That's yeah. And uh, I just remember too, when I was getting ready to be discharged and, and leave the hospital, the ambulance thing showed up again. They couldn't find an ambulance that was the right uh, like certification to transport me and my ventilator, you know, to, to be home. And I'm like, and then they said, well, we might have to keep you three more days if you don't leave at this exact time this morning. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, luckily what? my mom is here and we can cram everything into a plastic sack and get out of and this. like run out of the hospital, but like, like what? this prison, right? Yeah, yeah, I, it felt like a prison. I honestly felt like you know, well, like was, at that point, it is because you have no yeah. control over your body and you have no control over your experience, right. and they don't give a fuck if you are hurt or not. And so, like, they, they'll wake you up at 3 a.m. and do a lung x ray every single or like morning, like 5 a.m. and get like a, the blood, yeah, thing. yeah, I know, I know. Yep. It's and then, uh then I there was like a team of doctors and and fellows I think that were learning that they would stop by like outside the door every morning, and you hear them going through. This is a person with this disease, and they're going through this thing. And I'm like, guys, well, what is this? A zoo? Like, like my, zoo my name is Ty. Hello, <laughs> how are you? I'm person. Yeah. yeah. By the way, you know I have a PhD too, right? Like. You know, like I can understand what's going on here. Like, yeah, like you can you call know. me Doctor Ty. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and oh, and they, I, w- I would make them like the next time you're in the hospital, I'd be like, yeah. yes, Doctor. Thank you. That, thank that's you. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it honestly. Do it. Do it. Yeah. They don't have to know yeah, what kind of doctor it is. Just say it's Doctor. Thank you very much. Right. Exactly. Like that's you're gonna refer to me as Doctor now because you know because I'm not gonna take your shit. Some, Maybe you'll give me an inch more respect because of of that or something. You won't break my fucking femur because I because you call me doctor. I, I know, and I'm like, I think my hip's going to be a chronic thing, even though it's healed. Oh, no. Like, it's like the stretching and you know the the muscle issues that happen with it too. It's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. I could sit and talk with you for like three more hours. This is so <laughs> yeah, fun and cathartic and necessary. Thank yeah. you. Um. Uh, on a parting note, do you have any, we've talked about so much today. Do you have any like final words you want to say, final things you want to say as you? Yeah, I just, uh, I was just thinking a few minutes ago, like, you know, there's, there's kind of an army of us. Like, you know, when you read about all these cases and all these, you know, people that are familiar with what we're going through, you know, disability in general, or even more specifically, like severe disability, there's a, there's a network and there's a, a team out there and I, I think that the more we you know kind of gather and find ways to talk and communicate and share like you and i are doing you know like to be honest i hadn't gotten into that you know since after until after the, the icu stay and all of a sudden i had this time you know to like dig in and be like oh well, you know i can get involved me. with like nonprofit organizations that you know are they're actually run by people that have severe disabilities 
you know like oh yeah are like, you doing stuff with um laughing at, with and my nightmare i am yeah yeah i've been a board member with them now for i want to say a year and a half and amazing then, i know shane through social media and through his book yeah he's like he seems amazing and like that's really cool yeah no so i think you know the more we can keep kind of fighting the fight so to speak even though it sounds exhausting um i mean it is fucking exhausting i want to put the weapon down and be a person but like if i got yeah. a fight that i will right but i think just you know keep reminding people that that in the end we're still we're humans just like they are and, and everybody at some point is disabled right so yeah that's kind of my big big thing i'm trying to drive home and i, I like how you're doing it and i like like the the way you do it on social media is so friendly and so welcoming and open and just very very like Thank come you. see this like like my social media can be a little bit more pointed sometimes I'll be like oh yeah fuck this yours is very much like come look at this here's an infographic let's talk about it <laughs> so yeah like well, hey, hey what's wrong with, with going at it from both directions right like that that's not a bad thing to have both yeah i know it's true it's true um i could say again i could sit and talk with you for like a million years but i know we're on a time crunch a little bit so uh can you how do the people get a hold of you how can they support your work how do they follow you yeah the well the biggest thing uh, eventually i'm going to expand i think to other social media but instagram is kind of my like 90 percent. you know is where my efforts going right now um and it's at at dr period ty d martin um and that's the best place to you know kind of see what i'm trying to do and get involved some way and then you know hopefully i can expand and I'm trying to get some more video content going, but um, it's hard when you had when you need so much help yeah. to set it up. That's why all my all my There's, content is textual because I'm like I can't. Yeah, video is too much work. No way. Yep. Like, yep. doing this podcast right now is the most techie that I'm able to do. That's what it is. And that's that's a good thing. I mean, like that's totally you know whatever means we need to use to get it out there that works. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, that's that's the main place to to see kind of what I'm what I'm doing right now. Nice. I'll make sure that that's in the show notes and that everybody go follow Dr. Ty and use use the moniker doctor, please. Thank you. Uh, um, I We're done. I think we, we did it. It was so much fun. Thank you for being here. Great. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. And I, I actually enjoy it a lot, you know, sharing sharing our stories. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And I loved, I'd love to find a way to bring you back. Maybe I do a, I do a segment on here. Uh, popcorn and power chairs every now, every now and then where I watch a movie. Maybe we could do that one time. Cool. Yeah, that, that sounds like a plan. I'm always looking for things like that to try. Oh, nice. It'd be so fun. Well, Ty Martin, this was such a pleasure. It was so fun to have you and we'll talk to you soon. All right. I appreciate it. Bye. Finding the off button. Here we go. All right, friends. Well, there goes another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with me, your host, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my social media, Andrew Gerza 6 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, although I never use it. If you want to follow my website and find out about my speaking opportunities, my gigs, and ways to have me come to your event, go to www.andrewgerza.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can get the show days early, completely ad-free, and a shout-out on the air. So if you want to support the show, you're able to do that. And please, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. 
it really does help shows like this about disability, which are very rare, get supported. Thank you so much for being with us, and stay comfy, cozy, and crippled. Until next time. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Cripple & Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2024.